On tonight's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if the boys' finale makes it seem like the show could be called The Girls, if any of the taste buds watch either of the two Walking Dead shows this week, and if Sabrina the Teenage Witch is the best TGIF show based on a comic book of all time. All of that and more on the all-new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host of this episode, which means that I will be the one guiding us, leading us through all this comic book TV, which is so much right now, so much dead walking TV. And speaking of dead people, I've got some uh, good friends here of mine. What's up, Mike? I'll start with you for no reason whatsoever. I'm I'm assuming you're just trying to it's October, we're being scary at all times and That's, ooh yes. it's zombie Mike. That's, uh, th- ah, Mike, stop making that noise. I got scared. It was spooky. No, get regular Mike on here. I don't want ghost Mike. Hi guys. <laughs> okay, that sounds like a Mike who was insulting me, and you know what? I'm okay with that. I'll take that vibe. If you want That's to why I just realized point. if you want to do uh, an impression of Cassie, it's uh, make fun of a teenager doing an unboxing video on yeah, YouTube. <laughs> That's Cassie's vibe. Like, rate, subscribe, motherfuckers. Uh, speaking of like, rating, and subscribing, I got another co host here. Ryan, how's it going? I hate to start the shows off like this, Cassie, but you can't just say, speaking of, any random bullshit that you want and then move on to the next thing. No, I think I can because I just did and it would have been fine if you didn't call me out on it, but I think it was a pretty good transition and a pretty good introduction to you. Can we try this one? How about this one? Uh, Speaking of unboxing, here's somebody who, uh, as far as boxing goes, I would like to box. It's Ryan. Okay, that one's not bad. Let me try another one. Um, Speaking of a pile of shit, uh, I got a pile of shit right here. It's my friend Ryan. I feel like that third one got it in three. Yeah, third time's a charm for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I would, I could also box you at any time. I thought we were gonna box next Saturday. If you're down, is it real boxing or foxy boxing? And also, what is the difference? Yeah, I don't know what the one means. Does it mean we get little foxes out there and dress them up? Because that sounds cruel. Oh my god. I'm gonna dress a fox like me. You're gonna dress a fox like you, and then we're gonna have them fight each other. <laughs> Do I get to dye my fox's hair, though? Because the fox already matches your hair color, and I feel like that gives you an unnatural bond with it. So uh, I just need to like bond with my fox more. You said that in classic Cassie insult tone, but it was actually a unclassic Cassie compliment, because foxes are foxy, and so am I. <laughs> you, you're, you're transitioning from fox to silver fox as we speak. You're saying that not only am I getting older, but you can, you're watching me die on the Zoom right now. <laughs> yeah, but you're getting hotter. That is true. Thank you for that. <laughs> I think we all agree. A good friend. For sure. Mike, do you want to get in on this Fox boxing ring we have going on? No. Okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> I guess, dude, if you I, don't want to join I in find on foxes to be adorable, so I'm not going to partake in anything that hurts them. Mm, okay, but you're not above, like, is there an animal you would throw in a ring? A badger. Oh, I know okay. that 
coyotes are like the shitheads of that world, and wolves are like the the granddaddies of that world. But where do foxes fit in? Are they like the slinky, sexy? Are they like the femme fatales? They're the femme fatales or the low keys. They're they're mischievous. Yeah, because uh, I do often see foxes like sitting around the corner going, <laughs> yeah, they've just, always just pranked somebody. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know why hyenas got the rec- like reputation for like their weird laugh because every fox laughs like that all the time yeah. whenever I see them. But also, I I'm though- sorry. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to know if you guys saw foxes because I I don't think I've ever seen a fox in my life. But I feel like yours is probably more important than talking about if we've seen yeah. real foxes because I saw just- one last week in my neighborhood. It was Damn. awesome. That's fucking crazy. I'm trying to see one. I'm trying to figure out what they're, where they are, wh- where they are. So a long time ago, I decided to do some research. I watched Fox News, and now I'm like the way I am now. It explains so much, so much about you. But speaking of Fox News and toxic personalities, you guys, we're going to be talking about the boys finale coming up. Guess what's up? And uh, before we get to that, though, we are going to take a little detour and talk about Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> All right, you guys, we are back for the bullpen, and we are still, we're filling our weeks with just old shows of the past that we want to revisit. So, Ryan, this week we watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and can you tell us all about that? Not only did we watch it, but, like, we're dedicating today's, like, almost entire episode to it. The, I mean, yeah. we're going to do a lot of Sabrina talk, but I guess we'll start with how we watch some of the uh, shows. Brought in to rejuvenate a faltering TJIF lineup that included creaky classics like Family Matters and all-time awful bullshit like Boy Meets World, Sabrina the Teenage Witch made its debut in the fall of 1996 and instantly became the night's biggest hit. Based on the Archie comic of the same name, the not-so-chilling adventures of Sabrina told the story of Sabrina who, on her 16th birthday, finds out that she's half-witch. The two ants that have been raising her are fullies. And her cat talks because he's a warlock trapped in a feline body for 100 years because he tried to take over the world and failed. The show had a lot of speed bumps throughout its seven-year run, including a network change, constant contract disputes, and characters and actors leaving the show and coming back basically since, uh, from the start of the show. But we're left, what we're left with is a fairly fondly remembered show that stayed relatively popular for many years through simple plots and decent special effects. <laughs> Taste buds, let's start with this. Because I already have an inkling of how the two of you feel about it. Let's start with this. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart ruled the children's sitcom realm for over a decade. Revisiting the first three seasons of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, because we're doing seasons four through seven next week, motherfuckers, does her reign as queen of the children's sitcom make sense to you? I'm now terribly worried to go back to Clarissa Explains It All, where everybody's like teen show crush was first formed. Uh, cause I remembered her being very good. I guess she can deliver these lines. Well, not believably. No, I don't know. I don't get it. I guess she's cute. Yeah. I don't know. Like, and to be like such an icon for, for like teens was crazy. That was crazy. Going back to it is that like, I definitely used to believe that she was a teen. And now I was like, at what point did I see her as a teen? Like, I don't know. How uh, she's 37 years old. It's what is going on here? <laughs> So, yeah, I, like, it doesn't make sense. I don't know if it, she just had, like, such a cool vibe. She was very much like a what you seemed like a cool girl was. And I think that's what, like, teens latched on to. Here's what I think is going on here. And I, based on my, um, you know, I have a heart, unlike you two. And mm-hmm. I have uh, TV watching skills, unlike you two. I uh, thought that this was, this was okay. This was fine. Uh, it wasn't the fucking burning trash heap that both of you are about to, about to declare it. But I thought that she was great. And the reason is is because 
she's one of those like old school entertainers that's sort of capable of everything you know like she can dance a little and sing a little and then for the purposes of this show uh do all the types of comedy and drama that a show like this would ask for her so she can do the pratfalls and she can do the sarcasm and she's not great at any of it but what entertainment used to be like from the years 1940 to 1996 was do you just have somebody that we like watching and i think that she Mm. does have that yeah i think there's a charisma there it is weird how cue carded uh everything felt like everybody kind of felt like there so there's not a lot of comedic timing because everybody's like pausing and reading Mm -hmm. and that was odd but i i agree that she's charismatic and i I got the feeling that they were all chopped to shit like i got the feeling that for some reason, they shot 44 minutes and then chopped it up into 22 minutes. It's just a lot of the 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 setups and the punchlines and the cuts from A to B don't work. Like it just yeah. doesn't work as a uh, a short film any given episode. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, sharp left turns, and you're like, wait. What weren't we dealing with this plot line? What are you talking about? This is happening right now. I I think I want to give a shout out to like they weren't good actors but mr craft and libby i think the boris and natasha of sabrina the teenage witch fully got that they're like i think we're in a kid's cartoon and nobody fully embraced it as much as they did so mr craft is martin mole uh-huh like a, a known actor right yeah i recognize him but i couldn't believe like, he's a character actor from forever like he's yeah just in for forever and then libby is just her cheerleader nemesis and the the episode that i i really highlighted how good they were was the there's a magical typewriter mm-hmm. uh-huh. sabrina's getting her first non-a's in her life and she's having a meltdown because apparently she's in a short story class at this normal public high school because all her homework is a short story a night uh and they fully embrace it and go bigger and do it better than anybody else uh, so that's just the, the cackling that's the principal and the uh yeah nemesis okay yeah because 100 percent, like they were the best parts of like specifically that one because they got to they're always kind of like the evil characters but in that one they were straight up like over the top evil characters like they were bond anvils yeah like it was over the top and they they definitely sold it on that one well what about the first season's mr pool did you guys recognize him at all yeah he has a special place in my heart uh, and it started here. I got to know Paul Feig as Mr. Poole, and when he left, I remember being bummed as a kid. There's something about him as a kid I was into. So wait, you're saying that you're one of the people on the planet who are like, freaks and geeks, bridesmaids, oh my god, that's Mr. Poole. Yes, that was, uh, yeah, that was fully how my response was then. I, I love our introduction to him. I, I think it's important to talk about the pilot. Uh, she's just starting the new school. They, it's like day one of that year. He said he won't take role. He refuses. He says, let's dive right in. Does not do the lesson. They just start dissecting frogs. I like that Wild Wild West version of teaching a science class. <laughs> it's also absurdly TV. And I'm not going to give this show credit for like being meta, but that's a very TV thing to happen. And if Sabrina doesn't have the time or the smarts to comment on how TV sitcoms work, uh-huh. it definitely leans into it. It definitely says, like, oh, we can do this shit and get away with it and make fun of it a little bit because... Every other TV show works like this, you know? Mm-hmm. It, every science class in the history of television is dissecting a frog that day. And they do it right. on day one. And I don't know. It, it, it worked, I think. Yeah, because you don't want to see him sitting there taking role and then being like, here's what science is. Everybody go to your syllabus. Uh, but it also, like, his attitude was, like, he wasn't snarky. He wasn't... Uh, 
Glenn Howerton in AP Bio, but he was like a real feeling teacher, beaten down, saying, "No, we're just going to jump into doing this." He ob- like, fuck all of you. He obviously had other plans with his life besides teaching, and now yes. he's teaching. Cassie, let's get to what everybody's waiting for. Uh, I think that this is a pretty beloved show, and a lot of people, I would say, somewhere directly in between the ages of me and you, Cassie, mm-hmm. uh, watched a lot of this and are fans. But they were mostly fans of one thing, and that was uh, Salem Saberhagen, mm-hmm. the, talk- the talking animatronic cat. <laughs> Cassie, tell- did, did this cat work for you? He, you know, I was so nervous because once I turned it on, it became very clear that the show wasn't still working for me. And then Salem came on screen and everything felt right again because he is just like, there's something so wonderful about a shitty animatronic anything. But then to have it like. Fe- it felt like we were on an old school Disneyland ride yeah. the entire yes. time. <laughs> or like and the- he's, he's the host, yeah. the guide through the ride. Or the old school, like, shitty Chuck E. Cheese band, like, that their movements are just a little off. The mouth just kind of hangs when it can't, like, close back up. And it's yeah, so or delightful. He, he's got, like, an eyelid swinging around as he talks, <laughs> and nobody goes to fix it. Uh, but, I mean, like, is he so important? Because I think this is the popular belief. Is he so important that, like, the show is awful when he's not there and incredible when he is there? Like, are we just waiting for more Salem the entire time? I feel like you kind of are, but if they would have given us more Salem, he probably would have became, like, annoying. Like, too much of that you probably can't take. It probably is, like, a good balance of it, but, like, especially going back now, it was all that I kept, like, I was like, give me that little cat on screen, please. (laughs) I agree, like, I like the energy he is intended to bring. Uh, I agree, animatronics are awesome and awful. I think they wanted Paul Lind and like that energy and couldn't quite capture it. Oh. And again, it's the jokes that never feel quite there. It's always like rough draft of the joke. And I'm like, if you just got went back and tried harder on that, because his whole thing is like, I'm a sarcastic cat. <laughs> but- <laughs> yeah, it's banking all on that. But also when he cries, I still laughed out loud at his like terrible like shitty cry of just like did it have the two paws come in from the side of the screen and his eyes <laughs> all the tears welling up shooting off yeah it had it all one of the ones i watched was uh it, it's one of the episodes where salem's heavily involved and salem is trying to keep sabrina from kissing harvey by the way yes i thought harvey was created for the chilling adventures of sabrina like that's a dud character and they failed but no both the sitcom and the netflix show were like no Harvey's way too important, and we must include him. Which is so weird. you you think I do it before you dive into it. You think this Harvey's also a dud? You don't like '90s ska version of Harvey? I don't know. I like he in the pilot. He's like a stud and handsome, and then he decides to go out with a witch and is like a nerd after that. But I don't I don't know what any of these Harveys are bringing to the table, and I think I can say that about everybody named Harvey. Yeah. Stemming from that invisible giant rabbit. I do think if you watch more, like, it was just, as a kid, I liked Harvey a lot, and now thinking back, it's just fashion. The more you watch, the more black and white checkered he wears, and there are hints that he just fully is into, like, two-tone. Holy Uh, shit. You thought Harvey the rabbit. I thought Harvey Weinstein. What if Harvey the rabbit decided to stop being invisible and became Harvey Weinstein, and that dude that Jimmy Stewart was hanging out with the entire time... Was a fucking rapist? Was just this rapist. (laughs) They did did have uh, his, like, skull look. He did have, like, the two upper cartilage earrings, but, like, Mm -hmm. the loop ones in a weird position. And I was like, okay, Harvey, look at this little trendsetter. The most important thing about watching mid-90s shows is where does each character place their uh, facial piercing? And that will tell (laughs) you a lot about who they are. Anyway, the... uh, 
where uh, Salem is trying to keep them from kissing, uh, he's heavily involved and he gets a lot of dialogue, but he also uh, has to move a lot. And so there's a lot of like uh, people throwing fake cats across <laughs> the screen and stuff. <laughs> and that's that embracing it that you were ta- we were talking about with like they're embracing every TV show does this with science class. They're like, well, we could try to make it look good and it'll still look bad. Or right. We could just toss a stuffed cat across the or, screen. Or we could save tens of thousands of dollars and uh, throw this stuffed cat across the screen. And they, they had that, that same effect with the like closet that was the teleport to like the, what is it, the Council of Witches or whatever. Uh-huh. Like that is just like they put a smoke machine in there and like the cheesy, like super old, like Disney theme park sound effects and everything. A smoke machine that any of us could buy for $25 yeah. at any Halloween like pop-up store. Oh man, I'm going to turn my closet into the portal to the witch realm. <laughs> the, Speaking uh, of that, I, go ahead. I, I, I want to talk about that, that uh, kiss episode for a second because oh i think a lot is happening you're getting into like there's a lot of good character some of the best character work i think in sabrina is uh her and harvey are about to kiss this is she before she knows she shouldn't uh because he could turn into a frog but the bell rings so she sprints away she's a fucking nerdy ass nerd Mm -hmm. where on any other show she is constantly bullied like by the cool kids because she's so worried about being a 30 seconds late to class she won't have her first kiss wait but at that point, does she know that if she kisses him, he might turn no. into a frog? It was okay. the, this was like the cold open, Damn. and then Sam's like, "No, wait, you shouldn't kiss this kid." Uh, the, the cold opens, it, by the way, are my favorite part by far because this is the worst writing and acting I've ever seen. And also, like the, the <laughs> whoever dials up the like the volume of the laugh track, oh, like yeah. the cold opens, they would person A would say something, person B would say something, person A would say the punchline. And, but it wasn't a punchline. And then they would just stand there and look at each other. <laughs> and there would be almost no laugh track. And we'd sit there for five seconds. And then the credits would come in. What the fuck is going on, Sabrina? <laughs> Maybe it's a meta deconstruction of sitcoms in a way we never thought it could be. I honestly, uh, like, that's how I was watching it. Because otherwise, it's really hard to. We have to get to uh, Helga, Zelda, and... Helga. Hilda. Hel- Hilda. Hilda. <laughs> um... These are two very different ants than we have in the Chilling Adventures, but not really, right? We do have the like the flighty sort of party animal and the one who's like very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, how did these two performances work for you guys? I remember liking Hilda as a kid, and as an adult, I now approach Zelda a lot more yeah. as comedic actresses. Caroline Rhea is like a stand-up from the 80s and 90s, right? Yes. Ray? I don't know how to say her name. It's Ray, uh, yeah. That, so that's Hilda. And yeah, she was one of the worst defenders of cue card reading. And I think Zelda, again, kind of gets the flow of the show and, and sells her jokes naturally more. Yeah. Well, she was probably uh, she probably always hung over from doing stand-up. Oh, by the way, I read a story about how uh, Melissa Joan Hart did a Maxim shoot yeah. after, <laughs> yes. the sh- after the show got famous. Mike, do you remember that? Yeah, uh, because I think I had a subscription at the time. And... Disney was pissed. Yeah, Disney, Disney was pissed, and Melissa Joan Hart wrote a biography, which is crazy, because who fucking gives a shit? It's called Melissa Explains It All, because of course it is, and in that story, she says she doesn't even remember the photo shoot, doing the photo shoot, because she was so fucked up from drinking and drugs the night before at the Playboy Mansion. That is what? your Sabrina the Teenage Witch, what? folks. <laughs> I would have never guessed that. That is unreal. Such a different the vibe. Two- the two witches eventually left the show because they weren't getting enough attention. And I can see how Caroline Ray is the one that gets the most attention. But Zelda, 
right? The more serious one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, watching it now as an old man, I was like, she's she's got the lessons. She's got the like the righteousness. This is the person. Cassie, did you, did you think they were, I don't know, good performances, if not funny at all? They still, like, so once in the later on episodes, like, there's one episode where they, um, they're dealing with a chain, a chain link mail and, like, getting rid of the curse. <laughs> and that's good the pun. part of it. It's that a good I, pun. It's a good, it's a good pun, you guys. But they do have, um, like, that's where we just keep going back to them and they're doing, like, silly antics of these curses. Like, the scene where they, their hands get big and they just start, like, slapping each other with the hands. Like, that's <laughs> what I remember about these ants, like, them just doing, like, bit stuff like that. And they still they still sold every one of those moments. I know, I know they hated doing it. Like you can feel them yeah. hating it, but then still giving it their all, and yeah. I, that's kind of impressive. Fuck, that was a good scene, guys. It and then Sabrina walks one. in, and and they're nine feet tall, and she like Sabrina doesn't even care. She's like, no, my problems. Yeah, yeah. she's she's kind of selfish, and that that carries through to the Chilling Adventures. Sabrina mm-hmm. will always be self centered. But I think what this one does that Chilling Adventures has no time for is you have these powers, but isn't life better if you don't use them? And I know that you guys aren't children anymore, but can you guys sort of see how as like quick morality tales, right? As like quick 22 minute morality tales. Do you think the show at least works a little bit on that level? If you don't read into it, yes, because there's always the big spell of the episode that she's taught she shouldn't have gone for, but she uses it to change her outfits. Like, she doesn't have to do, she's just like, zip, 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 here, I want a pizza, and she never learns those lessons. So there's always, like, whatever, like, conjuring you're going to do, that's bad. But if you had, like, a little cheat to make everything just a little easier than it would be in real life, that's fine. Do that as much as you want. I think that's pretty realistic, though. Yeah, it was all about the, Wouldn't you use that? (laughs) I, I definitely would. It is just like all about the like fun magic, though. Like the fun and cute magic is all good, but anything above that is you're a monster. Yeah, right. Maybe exactly. It's anything that fucks with other people's lives. Mm. Do you know what it is? It's about alcoholism. Uh, <laughs> a beer, a drink or two every once in a while is fine, like a small drink. But if you uh, drink an entire keg and then try to live your life, then you're probably gonna you're gonna be, you're gonna be fucked. Yes. I mean, and I'm glad if you're you a got certain kind line. of person. Everything's about alcoholism. <clears throat> What did you guys think about the the reoccurring character and the episodes we watched uh, seeming like to be the fifth beetle, Penn Jillette? Yeah, as Drell. Uh, Drell, the, the Lord of the Witches Council. Mm-hmm. Caroline Ray's uh, on-again, off-again boyfriend for Millennium. Um, I saw him really trying to act hard. I, I watched like a Valentine's Day episode where he tried to flirt. Watching mm-hmm. Penn Jillette flirt is roof stoof, as they say. <laughs> uh I've seen Penn and Teller live, and he did a better job acting live in a person with a thousand people watching him than on this show. Yeah, I just he kept flipped his to... hair around at one point. He did. He really flipped it in that like robe too. It was it was a lot. The um, I just kept trying to figure out if like Penn, if this was when he was like really big, because I feel like it was. I just kept trying to figure out the contract work to get Penn to be this reoccurring character. But it's, yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I don't know how like how popular this person has ever been. Mm-hmm. Like, what are his like highest and lowest most amount of popularity? But I, I think he's probably easy to get, right? Yeah, I think this was on his rise up. This is before bullshit. I'm revealing. I think I know a lot about Penn and Teller. Uh, so this is before Penn and Teller's bullshit. Like, and they had a few shows like uh, that was their version of uh, MythBusters and all that. 
Uh, so he he was on the rise up, and like this obviously be, because you have Paul Feig and you have Caroline Ray. This show is very interested in that like old school sitcom of let's get real comedians. Oh shit! Okay, so we're out of time, but real quick, and we're, we're going to get into this next week when we go through the last three uh, four seasons. But there was an episode, a Halloween episode, where there was a Halloween party, and it featured all of the guests, uh, all of the stars of Laughing, a show from twenty years before that. Who is this for? That's who I, I was like. These are people I do not know yeah. who they are. Because you know, like when you're watching old school shows and like they turn around at the camera, they're like, "What? It's me." You know, it's a guest star, right? Yeah. All from laughing. One of them was Ruth Buzzy. Oh, was Ruth Buzzy the aunt? Ruth, no. Ruth Buzzy was the smaller person who I don't remember what she did. Like, rode away on an invisible motorcycle after they told her she was the only sane one. That's the one. Yeah, that's Ruth Buzzy. <laughs> uh, but. How many ten-year-olds uh, in nineteen ninety-six are clamoring for laughing reunions? It, it's the Animaniacs rule: it, it doesn't matter. Let's write what we want to see. The kids will be fine with it. <laughs> the kids won't even know it's supposed to be somebody, so it's fine. I wish that uh, our Animaniacs rule was: don't watch this, watch Animaniacs. <laughs> <laughs> But, Ryan, sadly, next week we are watching more. As you said, seasons four through seven, is it? The back half of Sabrina. Not sadly. Yeah, Sabrina's going to college, and the ants quit, and all of the cast quits because they're all furious. It's going to be awesome, guys. Animatronic Salem is still there, right? Or I'm out. I'm walking. Of course, yes. Okay. As long as his contract still stayed strong, that's all I care about. So next week we'll be talking about that. And coming up next, we're digging into the finale of The Boys. (laughs) The Boys' second season ends with several bangs. Butcher having to look after Ryan after Becca dies, Stormfront being outed as a Nazi and getting her ass beat by Starlight, Kimiko and Maeve, and Huey getting the boys to work for AOC, or Congresswoman Newman, without knowing she's the secret head exploder. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Does the show believe Maeve is right when she tells Annie, nothing ever changes or gets better, or does it give hope just hidden in the boys' snarky charm? Honestly, I think that, and I I didn't read all of Garth Ennis's run of the boys, but I think Nobody this has. is this is sort of where the the show and the comic book sort of butt heads, and we're not really sure. I think the show wants to offer hope. I think Garth Ennis wants to offer you none, and mm-hmm. the show sort of does this half-assed middle ground that is kind of the weaker part of the show, I would say. Yeah, it feels like the hope is in the is magnified there's hope for individual moments Mm -hmm. but thing the the broader like homelander is still in charge of the seven and annie is still has to be on a teammate and lie that is one of the most brutal endings of a thing i can think of is after everything she still has to be co-workers and pretend to be friends with this homicidal maniac was that was that less of an impactful ending as like uh luke han and chewie getting medals at the end of a new hope was that (laughs) was that a different sort of press conference for you (laughs) <laughs> Different vibe for sure. Now it does make me rethink that. Which one of them is a homicidal maniac? And Chewie's just like, shit, and I have to pretend everything's cool with me and Luke? Yeah, if you look at Chewie's like, slight smile of like, yeah, yeah, all friends. We're all friends here. <laughs> He's just friends with space Nazis, and we've got to be fine with that. It does. like That's one of the hardest parts of the show for me is knowing that like any little bit of hope there is. I just like, I'm like a child, like... Not expecting, like, I can't get my hopes up for Dad to come back. Because, like, if there's no way they let us hold on to this hope. Like, they're breaking whatever it is for sure. It's a real roller coaster of, like, oh, this was a moment, like, a good moment. And then, like, how will they double down and wreck this Mm -hmm. later on? 
but the other problem too is that when they break it down, are they doing it because they have something to say, or are they doing it for laughs? You know, like because right. then we cut to the very, very end. Let's just go all the way to minute fifty nine of the episode, <laughs> uh, where Homelander. The thing that I never thought I, I when I read it in comic books, I never thought I would see on the big screen. Uh-huh. Uh, Homelander is jerking off his jizz onto the New York streets, and. Like that's is that like to say that there is no hope, or is that to say like, oh, this is funny and crazy? We don't really care about our themes and message. Yeah, I, I think having that be the last thing we see for the season betrays because there's complex and nuance in the press conference and in Huey quitting the boys to work for somebody worse. He thinks that things are going to be better, and but to end there instead, it is like, nah, everything's stupid, right? Yeah. Let's get out of here and fart. Do you think it should have cut to just because, you know, everything everything that we watch that's uh, based on comic books is really just all hearkening back to the same fucking thing. So do you think that they should have done that same thing and had a yellow happy face pin on the streets of New York but have yeah. white drip down from it instead, yes. of, instead of red? <laughs> yeah, that would have been that's... better for sure. Why don't you work for him, Ryan? I should work just for Just edit it in. Hey, <laughs> listeners, edit that clip and send it to us on social. Uh, a, a worse thing... A potentially worse thing than Nads nah, just for laughs is so I'm going to say this show is pretty anti-Nazi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they and and is acknowledging that in the real world there are Nazis we have to deal with. Uh, but by having she is explicitly AOC, she just straight up fucking is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by having her be the secret murderer, are they saying you know what both sides are bad, or is that looking too much into it? That's what I wasn't sure, and I wasn't sure if next season, because now that we know that she's, like, the new big bad, if they're, like, going to try to, like, focus in on, like, how, like, if their story's going to be, like, politicians are themselves are evil, and, like, we're going to dig in on that level. Like, I don't know where they're going with this. I mean, I guess the other way to look at it is to finally have somebody on the left say, well, if they're going to act like this, the only way to stop them is to act like mm-hmm. this, which mm-hmm. is interesting, you know, because... You know, we always go back to Michelle saying, when they go low, we go high. But eventually, at a certain point, they go so low. I don't know if we can go high anymore. We just have to, right. like, go low. I, I think that I have less of a problem with that and more of a problem of I don't understand how it works, how she has this power and smashed all these heads, and then we just didn't know about it until now. Like, this feels like one of those things where you guys wanted, like, a mystery, but, like, didn't really give out the clues in a good way yeah there were there weren't enough moments because the first one we got was this their cia connect reina and then they're like oh shit somebody's doing this and then a few so that means later, that aoc was out there at yeah. the same time doing that right and a, yeah a few episodes later it was the conference or the the, the hearing where Vought was going to get outed and it happened to a bunch of them so it is but Vought was about to get outed which helps her, but instead she decided to explode the heads of all the people that would have taken Vought Th- down? This helped her more because Vought was about to sell Compound V to police and army. And then they went, well, that happened, so let's not do that. I see. So I think it was cutting through bureaucratic red tape. I see. Because mm-hmm. Vought spins everything. What it feels like to me um, is they thought of an idea for the ending and then tried to work their way to it and didn't do that great of a job with it mm-hmm. and that's yeah. not to say that i thought this was a bad ending or an episode like I, I don't know if it was a great episode but like we needed a third act at this point we needed we needed them right. to have a plan 
you know, like we're watching a movie, like a blockbuster movie in movie theater, something we haven't done for a while. We needed them to have a plan and then do the thing which they did, which is like put clips in guns. You know, like they had that montage of like strapping belts to themselves and like getting ready to go. And that will always fucking pump me up. <laughs> Even if you have to like shortcut a couple of things that you've been building for the entire season, we just needed that third act finally, you know? Right. And they still, I think in a good way, boys it up by deflating it because their plan goes to shit immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, as tough as they are, they cannot handle superheroes head-to-head. And their plans are never good enough to actually sideswipe them because Stormfront comes in and kicks the shit out of them. Which is great because uh, people are evil. Like, you know, the right or the alt-right, everybody is now as far right as you can be because you just have to back everyone on your side up. But with the left, it's like... You're you're not left enough, or I'm too left, uh, or I'm not left enough, or whatever. And so here, we, we just have the the good guys just the whole time watching people do things that aren't according to plan. And be like, what? Wait, what? Like, what the fuck? And that's most of the plan. It's just like, I don't... But we had an idea, and now nobody is nobody's sticking to it. And then that's why we lose. Except we did get... Um, I wasn't expecting the, like for them to bring back Maeve and for her to be like our ultimate hero of this and the only thing that like gave him a fighting chance. And I just want to know like how did you guys feel about like getting Maeve back into like the heroic scene? I think they've been slow at least this season they've been building Maeve as she's constantly going to say yes everything sucks and it's bullshit but like you got to play the game cuz there's only the game. But th- there's definitely been breadcrumbs t- towards this I think throughout the season. So it wasn't like that goes against character. Mm. No. Uh I don't it, think it worked, that. and it was awesome. And I, I think the internet's right. This did blow away the Avengers version of the Girl Squad teaming up. Yes. This was fucking <laughs> dope. But see, before I watched this, I saw a bunch of articles that said that this is a parody of end ga- like the end game, you know, girls get it done thing. And I, I feel like that they, I don't know what the satire part was. I just feel like they had all the girls come together to kick the shit out of the evil girl, and then have I think it was Frenchie say. Wow, girls really do get it done. And then look in the camera and wink. I think the the parody happened a few episodes ago when they were filming Dawn of the Seven, when they they land exactly like the Avengers mm-hmm. women do and say, "We got this." Girls get it done at the camera. I think yeah. this was harkening back to their own thing more than the Avengers on this one. But I mean, the way that Starlight gets beat, or I'm sorry, uh, that Stormfront gets beat, it was it was not like this whole tactical. Uh, big budget movie thing. It was no. not. It was not this uh, thing where like we've all been on the same team for a long time. Starlight is new to the seven. Uh, Kamiko is new to both of them, and so instead they just take turns punching the fuck out of her face until she's on the ground, and then they gang like uh, gang it's style. It's American History X. Yeah, style. <laughs> they just kick the shit out of her, and it's really hard. And I think this is a credit to the show. It's really hard not to sit and watch that and be like, yes, fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> It feels so good for so many reasons. One, like, it's just a grittier version of, like, the Avengers thing of these women just, like, just using tactics that you would use any day if you had to. And then also, of course, like, yeah. you know, every single day. But it's also just, um, like, to see, like, especially in these times, to know that it's a Nazi getting their the shit beat out of them right. feels so good. Like, it's hard not to cheer. And it's pandering, right? Like, they're clearly, they clearly want this emotion from me. And they right. got it. Well, yeah, if you're if you're a villain as a Nazi, it's always going to be a little pandering. Uh, but I think it's important in this day and age. Uh, but I think why why it beats the Avengers one is that is plot-wise makes no sense, and none of those women have met. But these three, uh, 
the, everybody else who's on that field will die if they don't do this right yeah, now. Yeah, everybody. Because w- those dudes have their little toy guns. Yeah, and that's e- it. Every everybody on the field, uh, they have their penis and their gun, and that is literally it. And then three of the most powerful people on the planet destroy Stormfront. Because I think it's it's really important that so after they kick the shit out of them, uh, Stormfront is still alive. Uh, it is Becca who also has no powers. It's not one of the dudes. It's Becca who stabs Stormfront through the eye, mm-hmm. and so. Women do do get it done because guys have their plans and their guns, but Becca actually will go do the follow through. And also, in case you didn't know if this was true, women do do. Like, it's not just yeah. men that poop. So important. Glad you got that out there. But there, those were like my favorite moments was when um, it's like those two, it's like Butcher and Becca in the forest with Ryan. Because that's at that point, it is just straight up like two humans. They've got nothing, but and they know like mm-hmm. these people are so much more powerful to them. But even they are still gonna step to these like uber, super powerful like people. And those were like definitely the most intense moments. Yeah, because all they have is uh, righteousness, right? Like they know that they're right, and then uh, the power of and this is a very important power. Uh, repeating "oh fuck" over and over and over again in your head, <laughs> like that's really all they have. Yeah. And then Mave Mave comes and shows him the video of them in the plane. But before that, they're just like, "I guess I'm gonna die for this, right? Like if I don't mm-hmm. die for if I don't put myself on the line right now to die for this, then I've been a hypocrite my entire life." Yeah. How 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 do you guys feel about uh, Stan Edgar, uh, the bad guy in every show ever? He's the bad guy in. Breaking Bad, and then the Mandalorian, Mandalorian, and, and now this. Uh, him and Butcher have a really interesting conversation, and Butcher says talks about how ruthless he is, uh, and that Stormfront should bother him, and he's like, "She does. I'm, I'm, she's a Nazi, and I'm black, but money, bro." <laughs> I think that's how the world works. I think like that's a pretty accurate depiction of like the uh, NYSE. It, it's it's not just an accurate depiction, but he has a line. He says, I can't rage out like some egomaniac. That's a white man's privilege. Like <laughs> it's, I, I, that's one of those moments where you're like, I didn't know the boys could do that. Cause yeah, it's <laughs> like, it's talking about how Homelander can do whatever, but it's also talking about all the videos we see online of white people screaming at police and mm-hmm. just saying whatever they want. Like even like borderline physically accosting police. And then the police saying, please get in your car and drive away and go home and live your life normally. And, uh, I will not shoot you. Yeah. And I think those moments where there is just, there's like no gimmick surrounded by it. Those ones they do surprisingly well at for a show that is all about like strangling people with giant dicks. So it's, it's got some range. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out, like think about comedy. That's, that's not just giant dick strangling. Uh, Ashley, I don't have the actress's name in front of me. I think she is low key MVP. And like, I don't want more of her on the show, but she delivers little lines that are super fucking funny in every scene she has, this one I think takes it is a. Uh, they're mad at her for leaving Ryan alone, and she says he wasn't alone. I got him all these dipping sauces. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but that that got me so good, and she deserves a shout out. <laughs> Did that remind you guys right away of Kawhi Leonard? Who? Kawhi Leonard, uh, Los Angeles Clippers superstar. Uh, his career is ran by his uncle, and he was trying to Kawhi was trying to, or his uncle was trying to decide between joining the Clippers with the Lakers. And eventually they went to the Clippers because, as the uncle said, and I quote, uh, when they came and met, the Clippers had many more dipping sauces. That is the <laughs> thing that is very important. Uh, Mike, it's Colby Minifee. Colby Minifee. There we go. I think is this show's secret weapon. Uh, how did you guys feel about the moment with Butcher where he did, like, did it seem in character for him to, like, protect Ryan, even though it goes against everything? 
Like, I wonder I th- how this little heroic arc for, went down for you guys. So, Ryan kills, or Ryan basically like puts Stormfront on her ass, and then also accidentally slices right through his mom's throat, mm-hmm. and she's dying, and everyone knows it, right? Ryan's freaking out, and finally, finally, Becca dies, and Butcher looks at Ryan with that look of like, you know, head down, eyes up, I'm gonna fucking kill you. That was the unbelievable part mm-hmm. when when Butcher eventually decided to like, you know, protect Ryan from Homelander and like keep him. That all made sense to me. There's no way I'm going to believe for a second that Butcher in a TV show, even knowing Butcher, is going to fucking kill Ryan. Right. Yeah, I I, I think that the arc works. He's been growing more human. And this is probably the best thing the show does better than the comic book is humanized Butcher. Uh, and I think it's also very believable. He promised he would protect Ryan. He does. And then he gives him away to the CIA. Yeah. It's not like Butcher and Ryan now have a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah. He's like, look, oh, I yeah. did my part. Like, we're not having a little father-son sitcom now. Come get him, please. Uh, the other thing that was crazy about this part was Butcher screaming for help. That's something that I've never seen Butcher do. You know, like, when, yeah. when Becca's dying, he's, like, tears in his eyes, which is sort of... That's not that big of a deal, but just, like, somebody please help me. I can't handle this. I thought that... Becca would be dying, and he'd be screaming like, "This tree's a cunt, and this dirt is a cunt, and Ryan's a cunt. <laughs> the world is a cunt." Uh, I I wanted like for a long time I did not understand Hollywood trying to shove Carl Urban down our throats. He was almost Jeremy really? Renner to me, really. And I think this show I am wrong. Like I just didn't get it. Like him in the new Star Trek movies, he he never had enough to do. I haven't seen anything. I'm like, oh damn, this guy's good. I'm always like, why Dread? And I didn't. I have not seen Dread. You should watch Dread. So I guess it's just dread, and then yeah, but in this I get it. I think this dude has is really good at subtle range. He's also got that. Uh, what's the guy's name from Watchmen and Walking Dead? Negan. Oh, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey, yes, Dean, he's you. got that Jeffrey Dean Morgan thing of like a very handsome guy who, if with like a little bit of work, just looks like he's been homeless for ten years. You know, just <laughs> yeah. like oh, now you're a, you're like you're a perfect specimen, but now you look rug like we drug your face across pavement. <laughs> All right, you guys, we are almost out of time. Uh, is there any final statements? Or are you guys in for the next season? How you feeling? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, I think Cassie's been one. I'm going to speak for Cassie's even been one over it, and I think this is going to sweep awards next year. Oh, shit. That would be awesome if it could like get nominated for Shushies because Cassie's <laughs> in. And, I mean, like watching the second season sort of also brought me closer to where – like knowing what Cassie's talking about because it made me realize watching the second season how often the first season went to that well of like, oh shit, we haven't had somebody piss in an eyeball and then shit in a mouth in 10 (laughs) minutes. We better do that. And this second season was like, it had so much more confidence uh, as far as storytelling goes and didn't have to rely on... Yes, there was a guy who had a dick that could wrap around your throat. It did have Homelander jerking off on the streets of New York City, but it didn't rely on that. You know, Mm -hmm. it had... Now it had like a story to tell. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm probably it. I can't believe it, but I'm actually. I think I'm in for next season. It's crazy. Yes. Done it. We'll see what happens with Shishies. I think you guys are getting a little bit excited, but let's see. <laughs> uh, that was the finale, but the boys will be back. I'm sure on Amazon. And coming up next, it's time for some trivia. All right, my friends, we are here. It is time. It's a go-to, a your pop filter favorite. You know, we got to go into trivia about Sabrina the Teenage. Trivia. Thank you. It feels so good to have the drops. This is this is what I've been missing on this show. I feel the power already. But um, yes, this is the first time that you guys have actually given me 
let me be in charge of trivia, and I'm very excited for this. <laughs> and I've got the laugh track here. I've got the full support from everybody. What were you going to say? Well, Cassie, what I would say is we have the live studio audience here. Don't just call it out immediately as a laugh track. Okay, all right. This again. This is my first time hosting this, so I will take three minutes. Okay, the bullying seems a bit much. Um, and I am going to be in charge of giving points. So Ryan's just going to start with a negative one, real quick. Okay. Wait, what the fuck? That was Mike that hit that. Was that it? was the live studio audience who didn't like being called a laugh track. It should be noted that both of you guys have control of different pads. I can't tell who it is. And Ryan, you're taking the fall for that one. You just had the attitude and the look. So minus one, Ryan, you are already working through a deficit. Mike can turn his down at all? Is there any way? I love it at max yes. volume. He's turned up to 11. I would actually just mute it. If I was host, I would tell Mike to mute his completely. <laughs> and that is if you were host, Ryan, but sadly for this one, you are not. So I just want to know, are you guys ready to jump straight into this trivia? Yeah. Do you want to know the rules, oh, Cassie? Yeah. Is there rules to trivia? Yeah. All right. Go it's for it, then. Uh, you basically can't ring in with your... You ring in by saying your own name. Ryan. Ryan. Okay, like Ryan. that. Okay, hold on. Ryan. Okay, and then, Ryan. nope, I'm just going to do this one more time, Ryan. and then we're going to move on. And, uh, okay, hold on. And then uh, you can't hit <laughs> you can't hit the button uh, until, Cassie, you are completely done reading the question. Okay, all right. And if I make it confusing as to where the end of the sentence is, is that like a technique you guys have ever used? That is a strategy that is totally on you. <laughs> all right, cool. I'm looking forward to this. So, yeah, I'll be keeping track. We're going to see... Who knows the most about Sabrina? I want to know out of you two, who do you think knows the most? Who's feeling like they are the real Sabrina head here? Ryan. <laughs> okay, cool. Perfect. I uh, just want to know you guys are both in this fight. That's all I needed to know. So, first question. How many real cats were there on the Sabrina set during filming? Ryan. Uh, Mike. Zero. N- nope, it wasn't zero. There were some real cats. Ryan. Ryan. One. No, there was actually seven whole real cats. And I can't tell you why there were so many real ones, because I feel like the real ones were barely used, but they had seven of them. All right. Probably it's like scamper along the counter. Yeah. And whoever had the best, like, scanter, they filmed all seven of them. That's why it's so choppy. I would say the only only kitty cat I saw is when I looked up Melissa Joan Hart's Maxim pictures. Okay. Minus two for Ryan. (laughs) Next question. How many animatronic cats were on set? Ryan. Ryan. Okay, so you you wanted us to guess seven before, which is crazy (laughs) that you thought that we would just guess seven. Uh, So I want to say zero, but that can't be right. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to say two. Okay. And that is actually right. I don't know why I asked like it wasn't right, but yeah, it was straight up two. Good work there, Ryan. That is a point you are working back from this deficit. Our next question. Where do you know this animatronic cat from? Ryan. Ryan? Mike. Uh, uh, the Haunted Mansion from Disneyland. No, close. Mike. Somewhat. Mike? Hocus Pocus. That's right, Mike. Look at this guy. There was no hesitation on that one. He knew that. He knows those dead eyes anywhere. <laughs> the audience is Crowd's behind it. me. All right, next question. There were, and I quote, two stuffed animal type cats that were used for scenes that were inappropriate for the real cats. 
So, friends, I have to ask, what does animal type cats mean? Ryan. Ryan. They're dogs with cat uh, cat parts stapled to them. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Mike, do you have an answer to this? Uh, yeah, I mean, you have your animatronic type, your robot type cats, and you have your animal type cats. So that in the producer's eyes, they are equals on the set. Okay, well, Mike just listed things, so I'm going to give that to Ryan. I do like that. What? <laughs> yep, that Did you guys hear it? After Sabrina, it was hard for Salem to get a job because he was typecasts. Type typecats. Ryan, you know you know I will take points away. You're towing a thin line right here. Alright, follow up question to that previous one. What scenes would be inappropriate for real cats? Mike. Mike? Full frontal nudity. <laughs> Alright. Seems They're pretty so young. So, so young, so naive. And you just can't you can't do that. Pretty good answer, Ryan. Do you Ryan. have an answer? Yeah, just- I think it's when uh they tried to throw the cat across the room. That probably you're probably not allowed to do that with cats. Mm-hmm. But they can land on their feet, so I feel like a couple of those takes they probably could have done it. I'm gonna go with Mike's answer. It's a point for Mike. <laughs> yes. All right. Wait, is there a real answer? I don't know. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> so it's just whatever's in your heart. <laughs> it was. I don't think they wanted to be bold enough to say which ones they wanted. <laughs> Trivia is a loose term when I'm in charge here. All right. How many stuffed animal type cats did Mike have as a child? Ryan. Ryan. Uh, it was six, but mm. only two of them had a hole in the crotch. <laughs> Don't like that. Mike. Yes, Mike. Zero. I had real cats and a stuffed wily e. coyote that was taller than I was. <laughs> only. I'm so proud that you can out Mike yourself in an answer. That brings me a lot of joy. I'm gonna give a point to Mike on that one. All right. What situations did Mike, little Mike, put these stuffed animal type cats in that would be unsafe for real cats? Ryan. Ryan? When his penis was fully inside them. <laughs> oh, God, terrible. Mike. Mike, what's up? Well, I was going to say the full frontal nudity. <laughs> okay. It's not less gruesome than what Ryan said, so I'm going to give that point to you. Oh, boy. Cassie, right. am, I, am I still in the negative here? No, you are dead zero. You have, you're just net neutral, <laughs> dude. So, uh, next question. Should Mike's parents have seen all these as warning signs? Ryan. <laughs> Mike? No. <laughs> <laughs> they should have keep on keeping on. Okay, and Ryan, what do you have Ryan. to say about that? Yes. <laughs> yes. The answer is for sure yes point to Ryan. All right, next question. Mike. Melissa oh, Jones. Oh, that was ringing what? in before. <laughs> no, I was trying to c- continue the conversation. Oh, you want you're to also talk? you're also trying to start your new nickname of Mike Waffles, which is a pretty cool <laughs> nickname. <laughs> That's a great nickname. Yeah, Mike, did you have more to say on that though about your parents and how disappointed they are in you? Uh, oh, just Waffles. Okay, cool, perfect. That was all. We could have moved on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Melissa Joan Hart, who plays Sabrina, as we've talked about, posed for the cover of Maxim Magazine. What did the headline of this magazine read? Ryan. Ryan. Uh. Ain't no teenager anymore. Terrifying, but could have been a thing. Mike. Sabrina the teenage itch you can't scratch. It's a little closer. I'll give that point to Mike. Uh, It was actually Sabrina, your favorite witch without a stitch. Don't fully know what that means, but that's what they went for. Uh, Stitches like clothes. Stitches clothing. Yeah. Ryan and I both read a lot of Maxim. You got to get to know lad culture jargon. Lad culture. Knowing that I missed that one, I'll, I'll be fine with that. 
Next question. Archie Comics sued Melissa for this. Was the head of Archie Comics at that time an asshole nerd who deserved to get a swirly? Ryan. Mike? Yep. Yeah, he sure was. Next question. If Mike posed for Maxim Magazine, what would the headline read? Ryan. Ryan. Here's Mike. You won't like. (laughs) Pretty good. And Mike? Uh, The teenage bitch who will make your crotch itch. (laughs) You know what? You came out and referred to yourself as a teenage bitch. Love that. I'm going to give that point to Mike. (laughs) All right. If he did pose for Maxim, would your pop filter sue him? Ryan. Ryan? Uh, No. We're so desperate for publicity that when... (laughs) When a Maxim Magazine issue comes out in 2020 mm-hmm. with a circulation of, I'm going to guess, six or seven that says, Mike, the teenage bitch that will give you the itch, <laughs> and just has Mike posing like these women do, I don't think we're going to sue. I think we're going to fucking, we're going to be very appreciative of Maxim and the publicity. Yeah. It's a shot for shot recreation of Melissa Jen Hart's photo shoot. <laughs> it's going to be big. And yeah, they, Ryan, they call him by his wrestling name, Melissa Joan Fart. that point's gonna go to ryan he gets us so well our next question the magical head of the witches council character named drell is played by what real life magician ryan oh ryan uh pendulette that's right yes it is really hoping you were gonna say pen teller (laughs) all right is pin mike's magician inspiration and the reason he got into close-up magic Uh, mike mike no, that's the amazing Jonathan, who was also a comedian and magician on Comedy Central in the late 90s. Oh, God. Okay, you're such a fucking nerd. That point's going to go to Ryan. I hated that response. <laughs> All right, next question. Is close-up magic Mike's most annoying hobby? Ryan. Mike. Ryan? I think having hobbies is Mike's most annoying hobby. Mm-hmm. Like, you're fucking, you're in your fucking late 30s, bro. Give it up. <laughs> hobbies Mike. are a young man's game. Mike, what do you got? No, it's devil sticks. Devil's, uh, devil sticks bring me the most joy. I was going to say podcasting is, but like, <laughs> I'm going to get. This isn't a hobby. This is a failed career. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. Time to commit to it. All right. And I think we got time for just a couple more questions. There is a musical episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch where we find out that Sabrina is so addicted to one food that she can never have a single bite of it. What is this food? Ryan. Mike. Easy cheese that. Cheese that comes out of a spray can? I wish. That would be delightful. <laughs> Ryan, do you got an answer? Pussy. <laughs> it is neither of those. You guys are getting no points. All right. Last and final question. Nope, it's not. What food is Mike genetically addicted to? No, what was the answer? What was, what was she really addicted to? Oh, you're to? right. I do got to give you the answer. It is uh, the whole Spellman family is addicted to pancakes. So she can never eat pancakes. And the Spellman family cannot either. That's what I call pancakes. Okay, well, that's even more disturbing, so I hate that. As a kid, I was like, Mom, give me a tall stack of pussy. That's just what we called it in my family. And make it dripping with maple syrup. It explains so much about who you are now as a person. All right, again, what food is Mike genetically addicted to? Ryan. Ryan. Uh, Based on the look of him, food. The answer is just food. Food in general? Yeah. Mike, yeah? Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Yeah, that is closer. I have peanut butter sandwiches, but there is a lot I know that you talk about. <laughs> I will give you the point for that, Mike. And last and final question. Should we have an intervention about this? Ryan. Ryan? 
Yeah, just about going to Trader Joe's in general. It's a fucking terrible store, mm-hmm. and it, everything that they sell and just being there is an awful experience. One hundred percent. The Hawaiian shirts, everything's bad. Point to Ryan. All right, you guys. This is so wrong. That is all the time we have for trivia. And looking at the points, Ryan, you did have seven points, but that's minus two. You have five points. And Mike, you got eight whole points. So, Mike, you are the biggest Mike head and Sabrina head. Congrats to you. He's heating up. Thank you. I am heating up. <laughs> Thank you both for playing. I'm gonna trivia. go eat some pancakes. I'm so pumped. Wait, Cassie, we. Uh, Mike and I have the drop pads here for trivia only. Do you want us to keep them on for the rest of the segments for the show? No, I think it's okay. I think everybody's had their fill of drop pad. It was a great experience. Uh, thank you to the audience and thank you to your guys' work on drop pad. But it, it, it was a downfall for you. Right? We'll see. Back to back. Love working with you guys. Oh, Wait, okay. Cassie, are you saying you would prefer us to... Shut the fuck up. I know that was you. I ain't even got a look. Yes, 100%. All right, coming up after the break, we're going to see if these assholes are still going to be using the drop pad or not. Uh, We'll see you soon. We are back. We're here for another bullpen because the fun is not stopping this episode. We have a lot to do here. And you guys, this week, we're going to be... I had an idea. You know how a lot of the times we'll cast like big Marvel shows because we're just so good at it? And, like, we're the go-to experts on so many things. I figured we could actually, like, we should aim higher. And I think we can actually create some good shows. Like, we can get on this Riverdale heat and just pitch a whole bunch of shows and really start raking in the money. So, what are the show that was like, oh, there's a Moon Knight show coming out? Nathan Fillion. Oh, there's a yeah. Ms. Marvel show coming out? Nathan Fillion. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're saying let's do shows that aren't Marvel, Cassie? Not, not Marvel? Not Marvel. Riverdale? Yes. Nathan Fillion. The whole city is an anthropomorphized Nathan Fillion. And that's why we, like, clearly we're so good at this, and that's why everybody kept coming to us. But, like, again, Riverdale, you brought up Riverdale, and, like, that's the go-to one, but sadly, all the Riverdale characters are taken. So I we're going to go into Harvey Comics. So I got some, I've pulled the best Harvey Comic characters, and I want you guys to pitch these shows to me so I can bring them to the executive heads that I know personally and I'm on a first-name basis with. Do you want them to be CW Riverdale-esque? Like, do you want them all fucking sexy and sweaty? I, I'll let you to pick for each one. I feel if like we have a balance, like, you can see which ones would be better. Like, I want to get all genres, basically. But okay, most Cassie, of them... No, I'm going to come up with a bunch of ideas that aren't sexy and sweaty. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what I do. That's right. his curse. It's a... Sexy, sweaty ideas. Wait, did you say Harvey Comics? Harvey Comics. Yes, indeed. What the, fu- what a, what the fudge is a Harvey comic? You know, you'll see all the big ones. You're going to know them all. Specifically, okay. like, it's all the... You're going to... You're not going to believe that you didn't immediately connect these characters to Harvey Comics. It's going to be unreal. All right. So I'm actually... I'll start with one of you guys if you want to jump in later. But, uh, Mike, just because I know you're going to know this one, I'm going to start with you. Uh, the first show I want you to pitch is about the character Hot Stuff the Little Devil. Oh, okay, yeah. So Hot Stuff the Little Devil, we all know, is uh, it looks like a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you would call that baby Hot Stuff and it's bright red and he's a, a little devil. So this is uh, Hot Stuff the Teenage Devil. And now that little baby devil got abs for days. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he is back in high school. And this high school, like all do now, fucks. <laughs> I want to I want to make it clear though that when Mike is pitching this, he's saying that although the abs are there and he's much taller, the diaper remains. This little devil yeah. baby is still wearing a diaper. Well, that's the devil's curse is always pooping. 
So he is like, you know, this sexy little devil kid. Uh, but is he seen as like a cool kid? Because he's got a, He's working with straight depends. So like, what vibe are we getting from this little guy? I'd say it depends. Okay, great. Whew. Yeah, it, it's. I think he brings raver uh, attire back into mm. popularity. So oh, he's wow. wearing giant baggy Jenko Dang. jeans, so nobody can see his depends. Hold on, wow. is this an undercover cop that? graduated when Rays are cool and then <laughs> thinks that they're still cool? Is this like a yeah. 21 Jump Street? We hired Hot he's, Stuff the Little Devil to go undercover into a high school? He's double undercover. He's the devil undercover as a cop as an undercover cop at a high school. And I love I love the character name. It's just like, oh shit, Hot Stuff is coming over. Hot Stuff... I'm, I, hold on. I don't Wait, remember which Which one? Hot Stuff? That, I know so many Hot Stuff. Oh, Hot Stuff the Little Devil. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes, he's my favorite of the Hot Stuff. Not Hot Stuff the Flaming Cheeto Addict. Yeah. <laughs> He's just so iconic. He's got a full title. But I do I do like this take on it because I was worried that we were getting too close to Riverdale with just like sexy teens that fuck. So I'm, I like this 21 Jump Street angle that we're taking. That's a new thing we can bring to this that's going to switch up the network. Also, he's a high school baseball star. So instead of carrying a pitchfork, what he does is he's a pitcher and he pitches forks instead of balls. And that's really hard for hitters to hit. And so he gets he gets basically no hitters every time he pitches. Okay. Yeah. I think Will I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw that part of the pitch straight in the trash, and um, I won't pitch that to him. But like, oh, thanks for that trying. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, you won't pitch it, so you're just stealing. You're like calling our pitches to take to them. Have you yeah, never had I'm a fucking notes. boss, Mike? This is how it works. <laughs> She's gonna steal our ideas and then go to the fucking networks. Hey, listen, I'm not stealing the ideas. I'm just sifting through everything, seeing what's the best and what will bring forth the best part of us. Like, I want to show us in our best light and that's all i'm she's, here to do she's curating mm-hmm. ah. thank you ryan ryan gets it all right so ryan with the show i want you to pitch it's going to be a team up and it's a little spooky so can you pitch the team up between casper and the spooky tough little ghost okay is this a real thing it wasn't they never teamed up but there was two they had two ghost characters they were varying to ghosts so there was Casper the friendly ghost and then there was Spooky the tough little ghost and I just want to know I feel like there's a good power dynamic there if we brought them together So the tough little ghost name is Spooky I thought it was really fucked up that Casper got a name and the other one just got a description and oh, that's yeah. Spooky tough little ghost <laughs> Yeah it's well, his name is Spooky Casper is named after the slave owner that killed him So I don't know if is you want real? to call that yeah that's uh, no, it's not real. <laughs> oh, man, I was about to have to cancel this pitch immediately. Uh, but yeah, so Casper, I think that is the fact that he's a friendly ghost, and I feel like he's the only friendly ghost. He has to get toughened up. So I think that his father hires two hookers uh, named the Tough Little Ghost, and they come in and they beat the shit physically and sexually out of Casper. And so the, the pilot episode is just, it's in real time, right? It's like a security camera in the room of... <laughs> The two, the two ghost hookers that his ghost father hired to beat the shit out of Casper and probably, like, have sex with him. That is spooky. Wow. Okay. That was a take on this. Uh, Mike, is there any way to save what Ryan has pitched forth here? I mean, how, how do you add to perfection? Okay. It's, cool. uh, I guess my, my pitch would be, my, my only twist would be that Casper is just a young boy whose father is, like, a multimillionaire, and this is how he dies. Mm, okay okay all right we'll uh we'll workshop that one we'll see how I, that goes i'm not really sure what spooky's whole thing is it seems like he uh as a ghost tries really hard to scare people but he's already a fucking ghost yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
And also, he's got a huge head and a little bit of a booty. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, but he does talk with a Brooklyn accent, so that's important. That's always so important. And I think I'm, that's what's really going to sell it. I'm looking at a picture right now where he is so scary that he scared a poster with a gorilla on it into coming alive and then running away. He's got talent. And you know what? I don't know if our TV show is really exploring the amount of talent he has, but like maybe in the second, in the reboot version, we might explore that. And Mike, we'll go to our next pitch here. Uh, can you pitch me a show about Baby Huey? Which Baby Huey, I believe, is a little chicken in a diaper. I'm not completely sure on the animal. But I just feel like there's good like Boss Baby vibes. Like Boss Baby was huge, and I think the market is now ready for a new baby to come on the scene. I'm glad you said huge, Cassie, because Baby Huey uh, is, is like a baby him. chicken, but that is about eight feet tall. <laughs> He's basically an emu, and... Uh, I, I feel like we haven't gotten like a good monster movie in a long time and Baby Huey is it's titled it and it's it looks cute at first, but if you actually ran into a duck that's eight feet tall and wears a giant safety pin diaper, it'd be terrifying. And uh it stalks the streets of this town. And people try to avoid it. I think that this should be a story about uh how Baby Huey deals with the fact that he ripped his mom in half it, during childbirth, uh, because this is the size that he he was born as an eight foot two, uh, four hundred and fifty pound duck from a human woman, by the way. Okay, I was gonna say he he was live birth yeah. somehow. It's not an egg. No, no, this is from a human woman, and he just has to like what is that like you know how like what Ryan is going through on the boys, baby Huey uh, tore his mother literally in half. He uh, was allowed to keep one half. He got to decide left or right. He chose right. And now he just has to go on about his life as a uh, somebody who is a full-grown businessman who goes to suit, uh, goes to work in this suit that we're looking at, and then also carries around the right half of his mother. Jesus, both of your guys' pitches are dark in different ways, and Ryan is exceptionally fucked up. I can't say that's a that's a whole lot. It's, so- yeah, it's kind of a spinoff of. Uh... What's that? What's that big rich family show everybody likes? Succession. It's a spinoff of Succession. Essentially, it's, it's just world. yeah. This is like, and no, I do plan for the show to be not on the CW, but on HBO. This is a hard hitting drama. Okay. This is a prestige okay. drama. I should have known by his diaper in his little baby crop top that it was going to be a hard hitting HBO TV show. <laughs> that was on me. So I <laughs> also apologize. bonnet. He's got that bonnet. The cutest little bonnet. Thank you for bringing this. Never forget to it. the bonnet. <laughs> Never. It's so important to his character and his character growth. So, uh, Ryan, I'm sorry for not seeing your vision. I'll, I'll bring that one. I'll see how that goes. Yeah, no and, problem. Uh, so, our next, I think we got time for one more pitch. And, Ryan, I think you'll have, like, a lot of inspiration to pull on this one. Uh, can you pitch me a TV show for Sad Sack? Sad Sack is, of course, as we all know, he is the Harvey comic book character uh, that is just a guy walking around barefoot with a rifle. And... <laughs> Here's what is crazy about him. Uh, Alt-left. He is a fucking super, like, uber-liberal. And then he sneaks into alt-right parties saying, I'm just a sad sack. And I think plays his rifle like a guitar, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, it, s- singing a song. It's he, He's basically Andy Kaufmaning this. is He is trying to be the most quintessential uh, soldier but he's he's just totally inept and he's a sad sack of shit. Like he he's messing up and they're just like, 
he's one of us, but we hate him. And they don't realize he's doing performance art saying, this is what all of you look like to the rest of the world. I mean, goddamn. I, if I'm, I'm trying to remember like uh, the cover of Sad Sack number 44, drawn by George Baker, where the guy's just walking around, uh, and all he's doing is being barefoot, which is not a crime. That is not a crime. And a fucking lobster in the middle of a factory pitches him on the toe. And he's also, like, we also want to focus on how, uh, how much bad luck he has, right? He's a sad sack. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. just happens all the time. And he has some funny friends. We can't forget the funny friends that'll come to play. Sure. And because uh, eventually, you, I mean, you have to expand. It can't just be like one dude undercover being sad sack uh, in the military. You have to bring in those funny. Like, I assume Wendy the Witch is a funny friend. Right. Uh, I assume Catnip. Is a funny friend, Felix the Cat. Backpack. Backpack. <laughs> surfboard. All all his funny friends. I think he has a friend called Backpack. It's a talking backpack. I can't wait to meet all those friends. It does have that story and just like the underlining like moral to take from it is that you should always wear shoes and I think that's very important. That's all so, I'm saying, folks. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I just I feel like more people need to know that and now's probably the time to come out with that story. So I think this one might be the best pitch we have. I'll bring all of them except for that one terrible one that Ryan had. And I'll I'll update you guys to know like just how much money we rake in from all these pitches. So thank you for your ideas. Uh thank you for telling me all about these Harvey comics. Uh and coming up next, we're gonna talk about all the other shows we watched this week. We are here, it's time for the poll list where we talk about every other show we watch this week. First one starting it off is The Walking Dead, World Beyond. On uh, this week's episode of The Walking Dead, World Beyond, the gruesome foursome make their way through the Beyond world. Iris, or punk rock sister, decides she should be in charge. Much to Grace's, the A-type personality sister's chagrin. Taste buds, I ask you this. If you and your siblings were in the world beyond, would you be the obvious leader? Or would it be a different sibling? Uh, I often wear bandanas wrapped around my head, so I think I would be the obvious leader. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Mike, all of your giant brothers would be okay with that? Mike has seven six-foot-four brothers. Yeah, I'm a a tall dude. Uh, I'm not a short man. I do know what love is, but I look like a a munchkin from Munchkinland and Wizard of Oz when I'm around my brothers. It's, It's crazy. They're freaks. That's what that's I would love to be the leader, but it is it is just rule of high ground. And my brother is so much taller than me. Like, I, I there's no way he would ever let me be the leader. I'd be maybe the silent leader who would just feed him ideas. OK, so he needs he needs the a plum. He needs people mm-hmm. to think he's in charge. Yeah, I would. I would say to my brother right away, uh, dude, come on, let's be honest. As long as I'm alive, I would I'll, I'll be the leader. And then he would kill me immediately. And then that would be it. <laughs> And that's how you solve that problem. See, I think my, my, my tall, giant, freakish brothers would demand to be in charge by height. But the minute one of them dies, they'd be like, oh, wait, you're the smart one. You please, please take this, Mike. <laughs> but because they're your brothers, they don't try to save you. They just cut off your head. And then they all take turns wearing your head on top of theirs, thinking that now they're yeah. the smart one. And now my zombie head talks to them and gives them ideas. This sounds kind of cool. This yeah, is a Harvey, a Harvey comic, comic remake. It's a pretty, <laughs> pretty good Harvey remake. Uh, Mike, did you actually watch this show? Yeah, I actually watched this show. Uh, I'll call out a couple of cool things the show actually did. Was It's been a long time since the Walking Dead franchise has done anything with the zombies. that I'm like, oh, that's cool and different looking. And one is... Have oh, wait, let me kids. guess. Let me guess. Did they take a bunch of dead zombies' guts and like put them all over their body and then walk amongst the zombies? They did not because they are dumb kids and they have no good ideas. Uh 
between the four of them, one of them maybe sort of half knows how to fight. So the risk is there again. Uh, but there is a zombie, and they're like, why does it look weird? And then its mouth slowly opens and bees come out of it. It looked weird because its whole face was beehived. And it was pretty dope looking and scary. Are you sure that the zombie didn't just take away all of Tom Hanks's testicular cancer? And that's why oh, that happened? That, that was the prequel. Okay. There, there's, you know what? Now the cold open makes a lot more sense. Yeah, that's what happened. Uh, it's cool they got it, Tom Hanks, though. They find a bowling ball in a bowling bag that says Big Mo, and then that's their fifth Beatle the rest of the episode. And they chant, Big Mo, Big Mo, and roll it at things. And I can't think of anything more realistically teenagered than yeah. being obsessed with something dumb and just rolling at it. And they're like, the one kid, Silas, is too shy to Big Mo, and then they cheer him on until he says Big Mo and rolls it. And it's a shitty roll. But they are so proud of him. Like, you are a teen-ass teen. But speaking of Tom Hanks, though, like, that speaks to the fact that if you're alone for any amount of time, you will find a ball and you will yeah. turn it into a character and you will think it's a person. Uh, but also, if you're you're on speed, you're not on speed. You're, you're, yeah. Your main focus is speed. You're in Nebraska trying to get to New York to save your dad. Hope just starts dragging around a bowling ball with them on this trip. They are. I'm pretty impressed how they're writing the kids and how dumb they are. It's known for being heavy. Like that's all yeah, it does is just be thing. She later kills a zombie with it. That's cool. <laughs> because they sleep in a treehouse and a zombie start and like they're like, Well, we can go to sleep and uh wake up and deal with it in the morning and she just rolls it out the window and it hits it in the head. Do you think that at one point they're gonna find ten zombies walking in perfect position? <laughs> <laughs> yes. If so, this might actually be a good show. <laughs> Dude, I would watch that. That <laughs> would win me. Oh, Mike, those were pretty great moments, actually, that you have. Were those your moments of the week, or do you have another one? No, I have another one. Iris, the goody two-shoes, who's, like, actually, like, wants to be a badass out here. She is, when we first see the kids in this episode, she is fighting a zombie with a sharp rock on a stick. And she won't let them help her. She's doing very badly. She pushes it into a ditch and then falls into after it and throws up all over it. (laughs) Also realistic. (laughs) Uh, it was, it, it's, I, out of the three Walking Dead shows, I'm enjoying this one more than I expected. Yeah. The fact that they're actually writing, like, realistic teens is very exciting, because that is something is so, is so rare. They're normally so out of touch with just how dumb teens are. But, like, yeah, they're idiots. this kind of dumb. <laughs> this is the right dumb. Not just making, like, I instantly did 10 bumps of cocaine dumb. Like, this, this level. <laughs> yes. All right, so... World Beyond is on Sundays on AMC. Our next and final show of the week is Fear the Walking Dead. On the season six premiere, season six premiere of Fear the Walking Dead, Morgan is still alive after being shot, due in large part to his infected wounds smelling so bad that walkers do not mess with him. While stinking up the world, Morgan runs into a guy named Isaac who offers to help him, which is a good thing because there is a new bounty hunter, bounty hunter named Emily or Emile, not sure how to pronounce it who is out there to chop off Morgan's head. Emile ends up finding them, but Morgan is the only one who walks away from the situation. Taste buds, I ask you, how bad would a wound have to smell to keep rotting flesh monsters away? I like that it's such a plot point. Like, this is now what Morgan is known for. Oh, bitch, yeah, you stink. Just, you just, you just he stink. He stinks so bad. Stinky McStinkerson. Uh, I think it's a meal. Not that, okay. not, not, I, I do like that she's like, it's one of these two words. One is at least a name. <laughs> I won't say the name. <laughs> I'm going to say it's Emile, know. the new rapper. Also, that whole thing, Mike, where we try to uh, trick people into thinking, like our audience into thinking that we watched all these shows even when we didn't, that's all out the window because Cassie would have heard the name said at least once in the show. 
But no, then, that's a direct quote from the show. Morgan's yeah. like, Emil, the bounty hunter, or is it Emile? Hmm. And then he just <laughs> thinks off and gets distracted by the stink of his own wound. <laughs> it's I'm assuming... Like- it was 4D. It's, like, they put the smell through the TV. It just got me so confused. Anytime, for, the, for the rest of my life, anytime I'm at, a, I'm at a party and I'm in a conversation I don't want to be in, I'm going to stab myself, and then I'm going to smell the wound. I'm like, oh, this is this stinks. This is stinky. And then I'm walk this is a stinky wound. <laughs> I assume it smells like if, you, if you've ever been near a sewage treatment plant, uh, at mm-hmm. first you're like, that's a weird smell. The longer you're like, it's just like metallic a little and then you're like no that's shit that's rotting shit i'm smelling right now <laughs> see that's so weird because every time i'm in the sewers i don't smell that i smell fucking pizza and ninja sweat which that's, that's not a good combo either that brother. it's better than sewage bro sewage bro is my superhero name <laughs> no, already a ninja turtles bad guy <laughs> already taken sorry that ip is out there all right, you guys, that's all the time we have to talk about. Fear the Walking Dead is Sundays on AMC, and that is all the shows we watched this week. It is time to just plug some things. So, uh, Ryan, actually, can you tell me about some websites? Yes, please make sure that you're going to yourpopfilter.com for all of your pop culture opinion needs. If you're not sure how to think about something, go there. We have a podcast about it, and we'll tell you what to think. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark. And if you buy everything through, uh, from Amazon through there, then we get a little piece of the pie. Also, one more. And Cassie, I'm so sorry. One more. Patreon.com slash YourPopFilter. That's the, actually the best way to help us out. Uh, subscribe to any of those tiers, but hopefully $5. Hopefully not $1 because that's not enough. And hopefully not $10 because that's stuff we said that we would do for you that we're probably just not going to do. So $5 is the tier. <laughs> And that is uh, that's ultimately the best way to help us out. That is patreon.com slash your pop filter. And Mike, can you tell us about the other shows on the network? Sure. You can also, of course, listen to Movie of the Year, where we pick a year every season and then make the eight best movies battle to find out who is the quintessential movie of that given year. Right now, we are going through 2001, and the host sounds pretty sexy. <laughs> Ryan, do you agree on that? Is that is that a fact? Uh, let me do a quick impression of the host real quick. I'm yes. fat! I... See, the crowd thinks it sounds sexy. It is a crazy battle, though, because if, you, if you've ever imagined, and I bet you have, uh, Chihiro from Spirit Away fighting Isabelle Huppert from Michael Haneke's The Piano Teacher, that's the kind of thing that you're going to see. Just the two of them duking it out. That is the show for you. You can also check out uh, The Unnatural 20s, uh, where Cassie hangs out with two other people who are younger than Ryan and I to talk about what it's like to be in your 20s. Yeah. And uh, there's not, not as much screaming on those ones. We'll try to bring it over, though. Ryan, can you also tell us about some social media? Yes. Uh, please follow us on all of your various social medias, including at your pop filter on Twitter where you can hear about everything from when we have a show come out to when doorknobs are covered in boogers. <laughs> <laughs> the range on Twitter is absurd. You simply have Ripped to be following it. And then uh, <laughs> we're also at your pop filter on Instagram as well. And uh, follow us at myspace.com slash your pop filter. Be in our top eight and we'll send you a song and a GeoCities that we are into this week. Hell Yeah. That's actually the one. That's our best social media. So if you're not following us on MySpace, it's definitely a mistake. What are you doing? Then? That one up. Yeah. Come on. It will take a half an hour for the page to load up, mm. but yeah, it's we've worth done it. a lot of. We've gotten in that code and gotten 
just buck buck with it. So it will take a while, but it's going to be worth it. Also, if you go to MySpace, you're going to hear your mom scream at you. Get off the phone. I need to use the phone. But you're just like, no, I'm on the internet right now, mom. And we (laughs) also... We got an email as well. It's contact at your pop filter. I believe next week we are possibly reading some emails. So Hell yeah, we are. Send those over. Yeah, we, send uh, those over. We you would love to hear from you guys. Let us know. If you just have an insult for us or if you got an opinion on one of the shows, if you're watching any of The Walking Deads and want to let us know what's happening, go ahead and email us. Or if you've got thoughts on Salem Saberhagen, you know, like, uh, where's all of my people who were born in like 1988 who mm-hmm. in- actually enjoyed Sabrina? Tell us why Where are my you 88 did. heads at? <laughs> we simply must find you. Reach out. Contact at your pub. Filter. And you'll hear that next week. We've got some other big things happening. It's the premiere of the new MC- MCU show, Hellstrom. We've also oh. got part two of Sabrina Retrospective, where Sabrina goes to college. Big changes. A whole new cast, it sounds like. And, of course, two Walking Dead episodes that we're for sure going to watch. So be sure to tune in for that. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For me, I am me. Bye, everyone. Oh my god, you come up like some friends talking and they're talking about their kid and that's terrible, right? Like that's death, just like you don't care. And then you're just like speaking of tacos.